This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 111, Should I Do Bank on Yourself or the Roth IRA? A live episode with Amanda and Brandon Neely. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. We are ready to rock and roll, everybody. Okay, ready? We'll do our first live show. And I wanted to just welcome everybody to a live, not your average financial podcast where we have some special guests, many special guests, most importantly, our wonderful audience that has joined us here live on a beautiful Saturday, uh, but also very special guests, uh, Amanda Neely. Welcome, Amanda. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And Brandon Neely. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, well, so we've got some incredible content to cover. And Amanda, you've been kind enough to share some very cool, very, I think, unique um, material that you've done for yourself uh, as a sample of one. But then you've been even willing to share with our listeners and our attendees on the live show together today a bit about what you've found and make it available for everybody. Uh, so first of all, tell us who you are. If folks don't know the illustrious Amanda Neely. Yeah. So... I am Amanda Neely, and Brandon Neely and I host the Grandma's Wealth Wisdom podcast together. Um, Brandon and I are married, not brother and sister, just to clear the air with that one. Uh, And we've been working with Mark as his clients for almost six years now. I think it was around this time six years ago when I finally figured out what he did and was kind of mad that I didn't know about it sooner. (laughs) And uh, then we started our first bank on yourself policies uh, a short time later. And when we were looking for a new career opportunity, we were thinking, how can we really make an impact in the world and help people improve their situation? And uh, money our story with money had been really impactful to us. So we thought, let's join and uh, what Mark's doing this revolution that he's a part of and figure out how to do that. So Mark is one of our mentors, has taught us uh, a lot. We still have a lot to learn, but we're into this now and really love helping people create safe and predictable financial strategies that they can rely on. So what I think what we're going to talk about today is one of the most common things that has come up for me in working with people that are in their 20s and 30s. Um, I am, I just turned 35 this year and uh, I used uh, this sample that we're going to look at today as if it was for me and if I was making this decision as a fresh start as a 35-year-old. Um, you know, trying to decide, do I do bank on yourself or do I do this um, Roth IRA strategy, which has a lot of the same tax advantages under current law as the bank on yourself strategy, but is using the stock market with some term insurance instead. And that, from what I understand, is a very common alternative that pe- or it's actually more what people think is that the Roth IRA um, and term insurance is more common. It's what everybody is doing. That's what you should do. And so I thought, let's turn that on the head. Say, what could we not be like what everybody else is doing and what would the results be? So I tried to run the math as unbiased as possible. And that's what I'm going to share today. 
So uh, we're going to be able to see my screen and look through the numbers on my screen together. I apologize in advance for the people that are listening to the audio recording of this later. If you don't see the screen, uh, I think we're going to have this posted, but there might be a little bit of a breakdown because you might not see exactly what I'm pointing at. I'll try to be as clear as possible. Yes. Awesome stuff, Amanda. So give us the breakdown of what we're looking at here and um, help us understand what is happening, what assumptions you made uh, for, this, uh, for these numbers on the screen. Absolutely. So I'll start at the left and work our way to the right. On the left-hand side, you see the year and the age. Uh, I, you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, how old I will be at that point. And then you'll see the, f the next four columns have the annual premium uh, what would go into a bank on yourself policy. I chose 6,000 because that is the current maximum for a Roth IRA. So I wanted to compare apples to apples there. And then you'll see the whole life insurance death benefit is the next column. That's what that 6,000 would get me with a properly structured bank on yourself type plan. And then the cash value that I'd have at the end of year one is the next column or in, and the end of year two as you go down the rows. And then finally, the commission. I used real commissions for a real agent, aka myself. <laughs> if I sold this policy to myself, what would my commission be? And so those four columns are summarizing the bank on yourself type plan. And then the next four columns are a Roth IRA with some term insurance so that we get a death benefit as well. You'll notice that the contribution to that Roth IRA is the exact same as the premium for the life insurance policy. The alternative cost, that is the 1.5% on average fees that are being paid to the money manager, the fund fees, all the different things that are involved with a Roth IRA. And I used 1.5% because that's the average. And then the alternative value, what I did to calculate that um, so on the life insurance side, I get a nice life insurance illustration from a company. Those values are just copied and pasted from a real life insurance company. With the alternative value, we actually look, have to look at how the stock market has performed historically and use that uh, to do the calculations. So this is pretending like uh, this is the year 2000 and I start uh, investing in a Roth IRA January 1st, 2000. And we do 2000 through 2018 in the S&P 500. And then we repeat that over and over again. That's the real numbers that I used uh, for the alternative value. And then finally, for the term insurance death benefit, I took, uh, if, you, if I took the death benefit on the life and on the bank on yourself side, um, it starts at 234000 and it grows by the time I'm 66 to 619000 So I took roughly the halfway point, or if you look at around a year 15, um, it's 482000 So I used 475, have a nice round number as the death benefit uh, for the term insurance. And I pulled a real term insurance quote from a real company, actually the same company that the bank on yourself uh, life insurance policies with as well. And I included that cost as part of the alternative cost. So you might be wondering why that alternative cost, if you did the math is more than one and a half percent, it's because there's a cost for the term insurance as well. 
So what you can, so that kind of explains how I have it written out here. And now we can go throughout the years and see what we notice. Before you do that, before you do that, Amanda, you've done some, you've covered a lot of ground here. So let me just reiterate for the sake of our listeners, maybe I'm the, um, maybe I'm the slow one, but what you're doing is you're showing uh, a comparison between that big black line in the middle of the screen is the, com- is the two different strategies, one a hypothetical world and another one is a different world. So on the left side of the page is you putting all of your $6,000 a year into a bank on yourself designed whole life policy. Is that right so far? Correct. Yep. Okay. So we've got um, 6,000 going in in the first year uh, and and the other alternative is that same first year you're putting in $6,000 and really what you're doing, if I hear you right, is you're putting less than 6,000 into the Roth IRA because you had to put some kind of money into your term insurance premium. Probably not a lot, you know, because right. you're at a young age and so forth. And what was the age, what was the term insurance duration? 30 years. 30 year term. Okay. Yep. And the death benefit, you chose $475,000 for the term insurance because it was the 15 year point halfway through your experiment. And you need to pick a death benefit. Why? Because the whole life death benefit on bank on yourself increases over each and every year. Am I tracking with you so far? Yes. So that makes sense. You're 15 to pick that midpoint on the term insurance amount. You could have picked any other number, but that makes enough sense. Okay. Yeah. So there's a couple things you can look at. One interesting thing is to look at the cash value of the life insurance policy and uh, the whole life insurance and compare it with the alternative value within the Roth IRA. And as you look down the column, what you would notice uh, when you're comparing those two, so over here, if you're seeing my screen, the whole life insurance cash value and you compare that with this alternative cash value uh, or alternative value of the Roth IRA over here, what you'll notice is that they go back and forth. Sometimes the alternative value is higher. Sometimes the life insurance is higher. Um, you'll, what you'll notice if you look at the life insurance, the whole life insurance side is that that cash value is always increasing. Whereas the alternative value is going up and down and up and down. Um, one of my favorite years is here between year eight and year nine. I got a, a big decrease there at <laughs> $19,000 less. So, so you had and then the next year, I, I get... Sorry to interrupt sorry. you, Amanda. I, I apologize. So you had, had $59,000 in year eight. Yeah. 43 years old. And then the next year you had $40,000 and then... So go on. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. So the following year, you drop 19 grand, and then what happens next? And then I go up 18 grand to 58,000. Um, that's that is basically what happened in 2008. If you know, um, if I yeah. had this account then. Now you um, also lost two years of time, and right. I don't mean to get ahead of you here, but you also pumped in 12 grand of your own money to get back yep. up to 58,000. Exactly. Okay. And even though I lost 19000 between year eight and year nine, I still paid almost $1,600 to whoever's managing my money that year <laughs> in terms of the fees and the fund fees and all those things. Um, so and uh, we, that's actually the next thing we could look at is the alternative cost versus the whole life commission 
you might have heard that people who sell whole life insurance get paid a, a lot of money and it cost like that that cost is too much the agent commission is too high that's actually why we sell life insurance is because of the commission what you'll notice as you look uh, down the page yes in the first year the whole life insurance commission is a, almost double the alternative cost of the other side uh, with the Roth IRA and the term insurance but after that, the commission is way lower for the life insurance than the cost. And in fact, the cost for the uh, alternative option continued to go up because it's a percentage, right? One and a half percent. So as my uh, alternative value goes up, my costs are going up too. And one I've got a nice, yep. One question I had is I wanted to see in that hypothetical year eight and nine and 10, how did the, the, so you're saying the alternative cost, that's another way of saying um, assets under management fee for your Roth IRA. So your, your investment advisor and the financial institution isn't doing this for charity. And what was your fee that they? I did one and a half percent because that's, that's the pretty, average for an IRA. Average, according to the Department of Labor. Okay, yep. great. So but you're also including, especially in those first few years, the term insurance commission. That's how we got roughly $700 or so on the, on the uh, fees that were paid to the investment advisor who also sold you that term insurance policy. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. So I was just looking at year eight and nine. It looks like he got a little pay cut because of the uh, 2008 crisis. Is that kind right. of our, what's happening there? A hundred bucks, yep. roughly 200 bucks pay cut. Yep. Okay. Yep. So he didn't feel the pain as much as you lost your 20 grand. He, he lost maybe $200 of payment that year. Interesting. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. Close to 300 for sure. So it, yes, it does go down once, <laughs> um, maybe twice as we go down through here. Uh, yeah. Here at between year 20 and year 21, he takes a pay cut too, because we're repeating the same uh, numbers over and over again. Um, but what you'll notice, I did a nice uh, summary here at the end. If you take the cost of the Roth and you add and the term insurance, you add that up for all for these first 31 years, the cost that uh, it cost me, you know, this is uh, this is if if I was making this decision right now today, it would cost me eighty one thousand dollars over the next 31 years projected, which is thirty four percent of that ending value that I have compared with the commission that the life insurance agent receives, which is $3,400, which is just a little over 1% of that final account value that I have. Mm. Quite a difference there. Wow. And uh, the insurance company pays the commission, the asset under management fee, uh, that comes out of my account value every single year. Did you want me to tell you that the investment advisor would have made 24 times as much money? Probably not. Right. right. I, yeah. Maybe I went into the wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's why there is no, there is a wolf of wall street, but there is no wolf of insurance. Let me just right. tell you that right now, guys. So, yeah. Wow. And, um, and you even broke it down in terms of a per annual expense ratio there. What is that? That last row there, that annual expense. Yeah. So I've got these notes here at the bottom. So if you're looking at the, uh, think here. So it's saying that the average annual expense is the total of all years commissions or costs divided by the final year's cash value or account value expressed as a percentage. So over a 31-year period, 
a third of your nest egg went to the investment advisor and out of your pocket. Yep. Okay. Well, that'd be okay. That would be okay if we had tremendous cash returns, rate of return, right? I'm okay right. to give them 80 grand if they're going to give me a tremendous return. Right. Real stock market results. Yep. In the last 20 and, years. Okay. Yep. So, you know, we talked about how the account values fluctuate. Sometimes the Roth is higher. Sometimes the life insurance is higher. If I look at the bottom line at in year 31, uh, the Roth only has 236000 and some change in it. Whereas my life insurance cash value is 299000 and some change. That's quite a big difference wow. there. That's incredible. So with the whole life insurance, there is a high degree of confidence and certainty and guarantees built in that that number is going to be there. You're assuming current dividends on these numbers, I assume. Is that right? Yes. Yep. We're in the low interest rate environment that we're in, which dividends are not guaranteed, guys. But you know, we're looking at low dividend rate environments and projecting that out over the next 30, 31 years. And Amanda, what you're telling us here is even so, we have an additional $60,000 in cash, just in terms yep. of the cash value on the whole life side? Correct. And our life insurance death benefit has grown to 619000 What's the death benefit of our term insurance policy in 31 years? Well, up to year 30, we had a death benefit of $475,000. But you mentioned earlier that we've got a 30-year term insurance. So that means it expired at the end of the 30th year. So we now have $0 of life insurance. Mm -hmm. And all we have to leave our family is the 236000 that the investment account, the Roth IRA, was able to give us. Yep. Wow. I really like what happens in these first 31 years. You can kind of compare and contrast the two, but it gets really exciting what happens after this. So I've got a, a one-year-old right now. Let's say in 17 years, I'm thinking about helping him pay for college. Could I use any of these funds to help with that? And what would that look like? So this is one of those interesting things where let's just look at 17 years when I'm 52 years old. My IRA would have 189000 projected in it, whereas my uh, whole life insurance cash value is only 133000 So it looks like I have a bigger college fund if, for the Roth IRA. But what happens if I take that out and use it to help pay for college? Mark, do you, can you, do you know what happens? Oh, if, yeah. If you pull money out of your retirement account for anything that's a, quote, prohibited transaction, then they're going to put a 10% early withdrawal penalty on the Roth IRA. Yeah. So let's just say that's uh, 19000 that I lose. I still have more money there in my Roth IRA than in my cash value life insurance policy. But what would happen um, if I, let's say I use 100000 that's what it's going to cost for college. What happens to the 100000 net tax or, you know, net penalty, all of that from the Roth compared with what would happen with the 100000 that I take out of my life insurance? Um, one thing is that Roth IRAs have, um, I, I was surprised when I learned this, you can't do a loan from a Roth IRA like you can a 401k. So I have to take that as a withdrawal. If I want to put it back in, I can't. I'm still limited to $6,000 per year. Mm. 
if I take the 100000 out of my bank on yourself type whole life insurance policy, I have the option to put it back in and that 100000 that I borrowed from the general fund of the life insurance policy, um, you know, it gets charged in interest, but my 100000 that's still in my cash value still grows as if I didn't touch it. And so I don't lose any of the growth. If I pay back that 100000 over the next 10 years with that little bit of interest that the insurance company charges me, by the time I'm 62, you know, paid that back, I'm going to still have $256,000 as my cash value with my life insurance policy. With my Roth, who knows what I'm going to have, right? Because I took out that 100000 I couldn't put it back. I lost any of the gains that I could have gotten on that money. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Liquidity is huge uh, for all the times we might need to spend this money over the next 30 plus years. Wow. Great. And, yeah. and I was going to add with, um, I, I did a similar strategy for a client and showed him his numbers with the Roth and this. He also wants to go into real estate or is in real estate. And so by you putting everything in the Roth, then it's a challenge because you can't really grow that real estate venture. And knowing that yeah, he has this slow and steady um, policy, but he's also really leveraging the policy for growth outside of his vehicle. And that was really exciting to him. I want to say one thing positive about the Roth IRA slash uh, by term pol- uh, side. If I died anytime early on, um, my family gets more of a death benefit. They get the death benefit and the the account value. Um, so, you know, like let's say I died at 45, Brandon, my husband, you know, would get the 475 plus another 58,000. Whereas on the uh, bank on yourself, whole life uh, type side, uh, we're, he's only going to get 392,000. So if I, if I think I'm going to die young um, and, or I'm, I'm very certain <laughs> that I'm going to die young, maybe I would consider the Roth IRA and buy-term strategy. Well, first, if I knew I was going to die early, I'd, I'd skip the Roth IRA and just buy as much term insurance as I could get. That's true. Yeah. Because you know, <laughs> that would be the biggest, best benefit to the family, not the Roth IRA, only because I have no clue what the Roth IRA is going to pay my family. And it would be you know, uh, a, a guess as to what the stock market would be doing when I decided to graduate. As long as an insurance company would get it to me, I'd get as much term insurance as I could get at that point. Right. Yeah. And uh, one thing you could think about too is doing the cash value uh, life insurance side and adding some term to it if I really wanted a higher death benefit as always an option as well. Mm-hmm. Great. So I had a question here from LV. So they asked, um, what if you have a lump sum in the midst of the 30 years? Can you add in some manner? Oh, such a great question, LV. I love that question. So with my Roth, uh, if I wanted to put in a whole bunch of money, let's just say I get a big windfall. Let's just use $25,000. Could I put that into my Roth? Nope. I'm limited to 6000 per year and I can't go above that under current law unless they change the law for some reason, which um, 
it I think is unlikely. Um, but with my life insurance policy, there's a fun stipulation. We, um, when we build these, we often build in some wiggle room. And I can fill in wiggle room in this particular policy. So every policy is different. You want to make sure this is true for you if you were to start this. But let's just say you're 10 here. I've got $25,000. I might be able to fill in my wiggle room for your eight, your nine, and your 10 um, that I could fill in wiggle room wise here. I could also pay off any loans I have outstanding on my policy if I if I you know bought a car or something like that within those first 10 years. And I always have the possibility to start another life insurance policy um, on me, on someone that I am close to within my family, you know, some a business partner. Um, with the Roth IRA, I can only have the 6,000 as my limit for that. Um, I, I would need to be looking at something like a 401k or a brokerage fund or something like that. It couldn't fit into the Roth IRA. Um, and I'd be looking at the same kind of options, having to pick the stocks and bonds and mutual funds within that uh, and all that kind of thing too at that point. I hope I answered your question. Please follow up with the clarifying question if you needed. Uh, they asked, how many policies do you have and are they are there uses for specific purposes? Okay, great. Um, um, yeah, so within my family, I'll just, I, I love being totally transparent. Um, I have a policy and then Brandon has a policy on himself. And then um, I consider my mom part of my immediate family. She lives with us. We help take care of her. She actually has three life insurance policies as well. She's given me permission to share that. Um, so you, there is uh, the opportunity to have multiple and we're thinking about starting a new one pretty soon, more for business reasons. Um, the first two that I, that I started and that Brandon started, those were really there as a retirement strategy, but we've used them along the way as things pop up. We paid off our student loans with them. We helped uh, get our business through a big flood that we had in our brick and mortar coffee shop. But really its reason is for long-term retirement and the things that come up along the way. The next policy that we start is going to be for more for business purposes to um, manage the taxes that we need to pay every year uh, for our business. And uh, then we also kind of have, you know, one of the policies my mom started was to make sure we had some backup options in case she needed some, you know, a nursing home care or an at-home uh, health nurse or something like that. Uh, there's some extra benefits within the whole life that can help cover those costs. And that's the reason we started that, but it has so many other uses as well. Uh, th so these uh, types of policies, long story short, <laughs> is that they can be general um, or you can assign them to specific purposes if you want to make sure like, here's this, what this money's for, here's what this money's for, here's what this money's for. Um, it's totally up to your style and how you want to do things. And she also did one on you because we're caretakers. And if Amanda happens to go, then she's going to need something to My help mom, her. Yeah. I mean, not just me, of course. I'll help her. But um, that would be a, a good good thing. And she started a policy on our son for – she wanted to give college education. So then she started one on um, our son uh, every year she contributes uh, a little bit, 1200 a year to 
uh, the college fund for him. So they have different purposes. Um, John asked, how can you use these specific policies to more effectively pay taxes? Yeah, that's a great question, John. I kind of snuck that one in there on you when I was talking about the next policy that we're going to start. And this is a strategy I learned from the one and only Mark Willis. Um, and I, I'm really excited to uh, see how it's going to work for us. Basically, what it means in a nutshell, which um, again, you want to look more deeper than this, but in a nutshell, we can take the money that we are planning to pay in taxes, in income taxes to the Internal Revenue Service um, in April next year. Our plan is to put them, put that into a policy in December along with some additional funds so that then when April comes, we can use that cash value, take a loan and pay the Internal Revenue Service. And then uh, kind of go from there. It's not going to avoid any taxes. It's just a way to have that money continue to grow for us, even while we continue to pay our income tax. It's a tremendous concept, Amanda. I love it. And if folks want to hear more about that strategy, we did a full webinar on this. Uh, go to the show notes of our episode 84. Episode 84. Uh, you'll see a webinar showing exactly how this strategy works and check out also episode 87 and you can listen to us describe it in a short, concise podcast episode, episode 87, how to get wealthy while paying your taxes. Uh, it's a pretty crazy, awesome, mind-bending concept that is working. I've used this strategy myself for my own major tax problems the last few years and uh, many of our clients as well. So very good question. Very good question, John. So, um, Amanda, I know you mentioned you have more to cover. So, uh, Brandon, are there any other questions right now in the queue that we have to run through? Or are we ready to jump to part two? Are we ready to jump to part two? Let's okay. do it. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because this spreadsheet is just like the other one, same columns. We're just starting at year 24 when I'm 59. And then we're looking at what happens if I want to start taking money out of these uh, funds. So I put $12,000 a year or $1,000 a month uh, coming out of the policy. That's double what I put in, right? Over the first 24 years, I put in $6,000 a year. I'm going to take out $12,000 a year. And uh, what you'll notice is as you go through here, using all the same parameters, you know, just continuing the calculations. When so I looked at my life expectancy according to the Social Security actuarial tables, and my official life expectancy according to statistics is 82. So I highlighted what happens if I pass away at 82. Um, and then I said, well, what if I live longer? Because that's totally possible. And what you'll notice, if I'm taking out the 12,000, at, at 82 years old, I still have uh, projected 32000 in my Roth IRA. I'm still paying $900 a year for the management of those funds. At that point, yeah. At that point, yep. And uh, I'm my cash value on my life insurance, my whole life insurance side has $72,000, so about $40,000 more. And I still have $175,000 of death benefit in addition, it, um, that would still go to my beneficiaries if I passed away at 82. Um, with the Roth side, my beneficiaries are just going to get that 32000 left in the Roth 
your term insurance right. expired at year 30 and we're looking at year 47 now. So you've gone 17, 18 years or whatever since you had any kind of death benefit or life insurance um, on the Roth IRA hypothetical, but on the bank on yourself, dividend paying whole life, you do still have some uh, death benefit. Now it's decreasing. Can you tell us why our death benefit and our cash value are decreasing one more time? Yeah, it, it's because I'm taking money out of the policy. I'm taking yeah. that 12000 out per year. You'll notice at the beginning, it does the cash value is not decreasing by 12000 partly because I'm still getting some of that growth uh, in the policy uh, mm-hmm. as, as things go as well. I want to also point out for our watching audience that there is zero commissions paid um, to the advisor when you stop putting premiums in. The commissions stop, whereas the investment advisor is being paid a slice, 1.5% of your nest egg, no matter how long you have. As long as you've got money in the, in the pot, in the kitty, so to speak, of your Roth IRA, they're going to get paid, even if you're not contributing to that Roth IRA. Not so with the uh, whole life design policy. Yeah. But if you take one and a half percent of, I think it's about 400,000, the, the fee ends up being $6,000. So if you're limited to 6,000 going in, then you're just basically covering your fee uh, each year. So Amanda, (laughs) say that one more time. So the Roth IRA, if it gets to a certain point, it's, it's paying a fee at 1.5%. So the balance on your Roth IRA, if it gets to, what was the number? I think it's 400,000. Uh, let's do that yeah. math. If I take 400,000 okay. and I take a 1.5% fee, that's yeah. $6,000. Okay. So it, if anyone listening has a Roth IRA with somewhere in the vicinity of a 1.5% fee and the balance is getting close or even um, close to $400,000, this could be a Roth 401k as well, you know, and you're putting in six grand a year, then that essentially is servicing the investment advisor's uh, retirement, not yours. Yeah. I, I thought that was interesting, that that magic number. And I think people need to have more than that in their retirement account. I do have uh, LV said um, that they should have started boy sooner, age 60 and just starting boy. Uh, what about an older person strategy is what they asked. So the cool thing about this it is that it is customized to any age, any gender, um, any uh, circumstance that you find yourself in. So we could take, uh, let's say you're thinking about um, uh, if you're still working at 60, do you continue contributing to your 401k at work? Um, or do you maybe shift some of that into a bank? We can do those kinds of comparisons um, with whatever age you're at and uh, with what you have to work with. We love doing these kind of things. We do it every day. Um, the advantage that you have at 60 years old is that you might be able to do more than uh, 6000 per year. Maybe you've got some assets in a couple different places that you could move over to help uh, with that. Typically, a 35-year-old, we don't have any assets, you know, um, uh, or we have very few. So doing some repositioning can be a lot of fun to compare. What if you left it where it is? Or what if you repositioned it? And how would that work? And how would that benefit you uh, over the next, you know, 30, 50 years of your life? And LV, the um, episode 91, hate to point us to more episodes here, but if you'd like, check out episode 91, the single premium solution. 
there's a big spreadsheet on there for someone uh, who's definitely older than, um, wiser than uh, 35 years old. I think I have uh, a lady named Mary on my example of uh, her starting at age 61, uh, putting in a lump sum. As you mentioned, Amanda, great stuff. Great stuff. John Gerstner had a question as, how are mutual life insurance companies coping with today's low interest rate environment? God forbid we see negative interest rates. Has there been any market commentary of late reviewing how whole life would perform in that environment? The key is uh, the insurance companies are the best house in that neighborhood. Uh, If we go into that zombie apocalypse of negative interest rates, they would be impacted. There's no getting around it. Uh, One thing that I think is really powerful is they are contractually um, limiting or uh, limiting their exposure to negative interest rates with policy loans. Isn't it interesting that they put in our contract that the, the lowest our interest on policy loans can go is 5%. Now, that's actually a juicy return for the portfolio of the insurance company. If the rest of the world is in negative interest rate territory, uh, you better believe that the, peop- the insurance companies that offer policy loans are going to be doing better with their 5% juicy returns off policy loans. In fact, uh, they already are. Uh, I, I speak with executives of, in, of these insurance companies all the time, and they're thrilled at getting that policy loan interest rate for the folks that don't pay their loans off. Hopefully, none of the folks on this call are stealing from their policy loans and they're paying them back like a real banker would want you to. But for the policy holders that are not paying loans off, that's 5%. 5% is pretty good if you go into negative interest rates. John, that's a great question, man. Great question. Up, I, um... uh, can you guys hear me? Yep, he's on. Yeah, no, Mark, that was a great answer to the question. Uh, I think I'm, that makes sense. And uh, that is a very interesting aspect of you know, whole life insurance in general. It's literally written right on our contracts pages, 5% or another higher number. If uh, the Moody's corporate bond index goes to 15%, they'll raise the policy loan interest rate as well, but it'll never go lower than what it is today. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Really, really smart question. Um, Amanda, what are the problems with the whole life policy with regard to the Roth IRA? What costs? Uh, You've brought up a few of them already, but I just want to reiterate um, that you looked at this with clear eyes, right? You wanted to know for yourself which of these two routes would be the best, best case scenario. Yeah. So if you just look at the cash value of the whole life insurance policy, you'll notice that it doesn't catch up to the premium that you're paying in for the first few years. And that's because it's not just the commission that's part of your cost. There's also uh, costs to the life insurance. You know, they're insuring you. They have to pay that death benefit if you pass away uh, right away. So uh, the commission's not the only cost there. And those costs are um, reducing your cash value at the beginning and then until the growth of the policy outpaces the cost. But those costs are always there. They never actually go away. It's just that the growth outpaces them. So one of the advantages of a Roth IRA is that I can choose when I want to contribute and when I don't want to. I don't have to contribute at any point. Whereas with the whole life insurance, I've got some flexibility, but I 
it is a better strategy if you are making a commitment to at least seven years of funding. And we want to go into that clear eyed. I, if I think I can put in the 6,000 or about there, uh, maybe a little less some years, a little, uh, you know, more some years, that kind of thing for a seven years, then it's, I think I would do this. But if I thought I just want to fund this for five years and never put another dime in, then that I don't think that would be a good option for me as a 35 year old. So the the cost total cost of the whole life is five thousand six. It looks like, and then the total cost of Roth IRAs is eighty one thousand. I don't know who which one would you yeah. want to pay. Right. Yeah. Which of those two? So the the commissions paid was three thousand four hundred two, but the overall expense between the delta of your premiums in the first couple of years. If you got, if you want to scroll up there really quick, Amanda, mm-hmm. look at the difference there. So in the first year, you paid a delta cost of two thousand four hundred dollars. That's the difference between six thousand and thirty five seventy eight. In year two, you paid nineteen forty seven. That's the difference between the premium you paid and the increase of your cash value. In year three, you paid $637. That's the delta between the increase and the premium there. That's a total cost, guys, all the way of $506 in the first three years. After year three, your cash grows faster than your contributions for the rest of your life. So it took you three years to overcome the cost of insurance and commissions for a grand total cost of $5,006. Everything else is gravy at that point. Um, so there is still expenses on the whole life, but your increase is always greater on a predictable schedule. I think that's, man, that's that's a slam dunk, Amanda. Well done putting all this together. Would you want to share with our uh, audience here what they get because they joined um, and uh, were a part of today's call? Yeah. So I would love to run these numbers for you and have this same kind of conversation, pros and cons, which one you would want to choose. I'm going to put a link in the chat so you can just click on the link or um, if you want to copy and paste this, share it with someone you love and care about, that would be great too. Uh, This is not just for you, but if you want to share this with someone. Um, So you can click on that link. uh, For those listening, the link is grandmaswealthwisdom.com slash Roth, R-O-T-H. Again, that's grandmaswealthwisdom.com slash Roth. And there, all you have to do is pick a time on my calendar or on Brandon's calendar. He's also offering to do this for you as well. And then we will run this scenario, the same exact scenario for you. If you have any changes you want to make to it, you can put that into the comments on the appointment request as well. So we'd love to do that with people, uh, particularly, again, this is not just for the people listening, but if you have someone you love and that you care about that you think would want to see these numbers too and have that as unbiased as we can be analysis weighing the pros and cons, we'd love to help them as well. Awesome. Thank you for that, Amanda. That's very cool. And these numbers will be made available on the show notes eventually uh, as well. Is that correct? Yes. And way to go. Thank you for your your participation today. And thank you all for your participation today on our show. And uh, also, of course, Amanda and Brandon, thank you guys for contributing and being a part of today's show. It's a tremendous pleasure and a lot of fun being with you guys today. Thank you, Mark. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks. Uh, Thank you for joining us. 
for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.